Now, I want to begin a new series today, but I'm warning you ahead of time, it could be a bit of a fractured start because I don't know whether you noticed, but there's a lot happening in July. Um, and so um, the beginning of this, season, this series, at least, will probably be interrupted a few times. Uh, we do have a, an ordination next week. Um, I have ordered several large jars of anointing oil. Um, I want to do this properly and uh, sort of traditionally. Um, so I've uh, got them there coming clay pots sealed with wax and string um, and with uh, myrrh and, uh, yeah, not trying to make anybody uncomfortable at all. Um, um, but I didn't want to wait to start this series or put it off because I think it's actually really important to tackle this topic, especially in the middle of winter. Um, because at the beginning of the year, and I don't know whether you can remember back quite that far, but we asked a couple of questions in our Like a Boss survey. Who remembers that? Who remembers filling it out? Because most of you did. Um, and two of the questions that we ask are, what, are the, what is the biggest problem you're currently facing? And what is the biggest need in your life right now? And there was, a, there was a wide array of different responses, and we've attempted to address some of these already with our Rhythm of Life theme this year, and we've looked at the importance of community, the power of God's love for us. Uh, we've looked at the principles of looking out for others. Um, and so we've covered a lot of the, the topics that people brought up. But interestingly, if not alarmingly, the problems or, or needs of most concern to a lot of people can be covered by the term mental health. And these range from very mild to quite serious issues. And so I want to address that topic in a broad sense and more a question of how can we as a church community be actually effective in this area? So what are we talking about? Well, just for some clarity, what do, what do I mean by mental health? Well, we've got a slide here which tells us what the World Health Organization has to say about it. And it says mental disorders involve significant disturbances in thinking, emotional regulation or behavior. One in eight people in the world live with a mental disorder. And the World Health Organization has listed the following main areas of mental health issues, anxiety disorders, depression, bipolar disorder, PTSD, schizophrenia, eating disorders, disruptive behavior and dissocial disorders, and neurodevelopmental disorders. Now, all this information can be a bit daunting to a layperson like us, as we're exposed to symptoms and to diagnoses that we're often really quite ill-equipped to understand. Mental illness and its treatment is fraught with misconceptions, prejudices, and fear. Drugs and therapies are the subject of wild speculation, especially on the internet. And people with mental health issues are often afraid to seek professional help because of the stigma attached to it. Even sadder is their inability to confide in family or friends for fear of condemnation, or even worse, friendly, expert advice. I think Charles Schultz had it right with Snoopy. People think that they don't need professional help because everybody is happy to put in their two cents worth. And 
often I think this has done more harm than good because people uh, see the stigma associated with seeking professional help for mental issues um, and are also stung by the fact that friendly advice, no matter how well-intentioned, is often worse than useless and quite damaging. So the question we need to ask is, is as a church community, how can we take steps to be a force for good, A, for our own members, and B, for the larger community in this battle for our mental health? Now, we have to be honest with ourselves here, um, because for the most part, ministers and other leaders in the church, no matter how well-intentioned, are not trained in this field. So, if you need professional help, ask a professional, not me. But there are things we as a community can do. And as we are a community of Jesus followers, I guess one of the first questions we need to ask is, does the Bible that we have contain passages that address the issue of mental health? And the short answer is no. Well, only in the sense that if you think about it, the Bible was written thousands of years ago, even the New Testament. And as such, it doesn't directly address the issues that we think of today as mental health issues. They understood mental health quite differently to us um, and how they approached them was quite different as well. In some ways, uh, it was quite um, ignorant, but in other ways, they had a holistic approach uh, to health in general, uh, which is probably far better than some of the outlooks that we have today. And if you look at the Bible, you will actually find that there are passages that speak to the importance of a healthy mind and maintaining a positive outlook. For example, Philippians 4.8 says, Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts in what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise, which is a great reminder to us that our thoughts actually have a direct impact on our mental health and that we should actually be quite intentional about what we allow into our minds. Also in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, it says, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Now, that's a big glib. I know it's, it's not actually easy to cast our cares on God. But it's an indication, uh, if we read our scriptures, just even to, to recognize that God is concerned with our mental well-being and is actually willing to help us with our anxiety and our worry. So while the Bible may not directly address mental health, scripture suggests that God is fully aware of it and even willing to help us get through it. After all, if you read the Bible, you will discover there are people in the Bible who had mental health issues. And we might talk about these in, in the coming weeks, but people like Elijah, for instance, and King David himself are just two of those. And uh, so, yeah, it, it's not like it's it totally devoid of references to people who struggle with this. But what I want to do this morning in, in setting this up, perhaps, is just to make sure that we understand what Scripture doesn't say about mental health and what we as a church need to cast aside in terms of some of the ideas that have been perpetuated from the pulpit. There's a good bit of alliteration for you. In past times about the reality of mental health, because 
what can happen and what has happened in the past that a physical ailment has been turned into a spiritual one. Because yet mental illness is not all in your head. There are actually physical causes in most case, cases. And in one of the, the most misused scriptures in terms of how we view mental health from a spiritual perspective is in the Gospel of Mark. And in Mark chapter 5, verse 2, we discover that when Jesus climbed out of the boat, who, who remembers what happened in the boat? That was when he walked on water, the waves, and all of that. So Jesus gets off having performed this incredible miracle, and he's met by a man possessed with an evil spirit. And if we go down to verse 9, Jesus demands, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. And then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into these, those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs. That is a lot of pigs. That is a big herd of pigs. Plunged down the nearby steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. That would have done a lot for the water supply. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Now, this scripture and many others has led to this belief that mental illness is spiritual and therefore has a purely spiritual solution. Now, while there are indeed cases where this is true, it's certainly not the general rule. We have to, we have to be really careful about how we use logic in this, this sort of thing. When I was uh, in high school, my, my father was doing a Bachelor of Arts um, at Adelaide Uni. And he did a course in logic. And he used to sort of set, sound his answers off against me and see if I understood where he was coming from. And a lot of his logical sort of learning was straight over my head. But one thing, one thing I do remember, he said, think about it. He said, whenever you see a dog, your automatic assumption for that dog is that it has four legs. Now, I know there are some dogs that don't and they've been injured and all the rest, but... Now, on average, if you see a dog, your automatic assumption will be, if you see the ears of a dog or the snout of a dog, and that's all you see, you assume that what you can't see consists of four legs, don't you? And, but we've, and so that's, that's logic. Because of, of things that we've learned, we can logically assume certain things about an animal. But we have to be careful that we can't actually reverse engineer that logic. If you see an animal with four legs, you cannot automatically assume that it's a dog. Is that true? Yeah. So we, we, and so what we see in this place is that somebody that was possessed by demons, upon being released, became sane. But we cannot say that every sane person that we see released has had demons. And that's what's caused their mental illness. We can't reverse engineer the situation. But that's what a lot of people, a lot of preachers, a lot of churches have done here. They've reverse engineered the logic and said, well, all mental illness is caused by demons or it's a spiritual problem 
And if they haven't done it that way, what they've done is said, Ooh, you know that issue you're having, it's probably because of sin in your life. Anybody ever had that? Your problems are all caused because you're a naughty, naughty boy. And this is a, 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 and this gets into our psyche. We sort of think, oh, I'm being afflicted here. What have I done wrong? Is the question we ask ourselves. And the funny thing is that this sort of thinking, well, it's unhelpful at the least and really quite dangerous at its worst. But of course, it was, was actually common even in Jesus' day. And Jesus addresses this type of thinking with his disciples in John's gospel. Uh, and this isn't about mental illness. This is just illness. John 9, 1 says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. And so his disciples ask him, they say, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his sin? Or were his parents really bad people? You still think, what the? Where is this coming from? And it was not because of his sin or his parents' sin, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Now, that sentence in itself opens up a whole scope of discussion, which I would really like to get into, but we just don't have three hours today, so we won't. But the, the whole idea that the, there's, a, there's a power in it. Put simply, if you think about what you're going through right now, whether it be mental illness, whether it be, be physical problems, whether it just be life hitting you in the face uh, as, as you're walking along, um, and the fact that we, we struggle through through life sometimes the, the the there's an idea here that even in our struggles the glory of god can manifest itself through us we do not have to be perfect examples of human beings for god to work in us and through us who's happy about that well you other perfect people can go somewhere else because you see we're often like the disciples we seek simple answers to very complex problems but we, like them, need to take time to understand Scripture's treatment of pain and illness. Let's avoid simplistically taking our cues from one verse or one passage, but let's use the whole body of Scripture to build a, a strong foundation for helpful, healthy interaction with people struggling with mental health issues. One of the biggest myths, especially in the Pentecostal church, is that salvation and being filled with the Holy Spirit somehow makes us immune to the painful events that occur in a fallen world. Such an attitude has resulted in Christians belittling or ignoring those who have mental health issues. Now, although prayer is an important aspect of mental health and, and can actually really be fundamentally important in its recovery, it shouldn't be viewed as the pat answer for every given problem. Thinking it, just let's just pray about it and you'll, you'll be fine because that's not it's a bit that song that we sang you know speak the name of jesus jesus is not a genie you can't rub the lamp and speak the name of jesus and everything will suddenly turn out all right speaking the name of jesus is the first step to actually activating your faith so that you can walk a path which will bring you healing redemption whatever it is you're looking for it's not a simple fix. That song is a great song to stir us up on the inside to remind us that Jesus is Lord 
that Jesus has the power to change our lives, but it's not just him. I love, I love the story of the, uh, the, the vicar who'd just taken over a new church. And uh, he'd gone to the vicarage and discovered the front garden was ab an absolute mess. And so um, he, he, every, every morning he'd be out there and he'd, he'd be replacing the, the garden edges and planting new plants and getting rid of the weeds and all of this. And, and uh, one of his parishioners went by and saw the new vicar there and he said, hey, vicar, he said, isn't that wonderful? There you are in the middle, midst of God's glory. Isn't it magnificent? And the vicar turned to him and said, yeah, you think so? It didn't look so good when God had it on his own. And this is the thing. God doesn't do it on his own. He requires input from us to actually achieve things in this world. So we've got to recognize that God may choose divine healing in response to our prayers. And yet he may also heal through a medication process. Neither path lets us as Christ's church off the hook. Because what do we need more of? Grace. All of us, and especially pastors and leaders, and this is good to, to preach to new pastors and leaders, we need to let others see our humanity. We strive so hard to be perfect, but all we really do is communicate that others must be perfect too. Let's stop trying to measure up because only God's grace is sufficient. Those of us who have had or have mental health issues are often our own worst critics because we are conditioned not to accept unconditional grace. And I'm probably as guilty as anybody from up here to actually communicate the wrong message when it comes to a works righteousness because I don't know whether you've noticed, but every so often I will throw in the idea that we should uh, pray more, read our Bibles more, perhaps come to church a little more regularly, uh, perhaps even fast and pray. Because you're all slackers and you don't do it enough. Now, that's my opinion. But underneath all of that, sometimes people that hear that message can't help but think, well, I guess it makes God happy too. God's love does not change with our behavior. Our behavior can affect how we receive God's love. Our, our behavior, pray, you know, I'm not saying that praying more, coming to church more, reading your Bible more, and fasting, and all of those things won't actually change your life for the better, won't actually help your relationship with God, but it doesn't change God's end of the relationship. He loves you. That's it. Got it? There's not a scale in which you know, just... Didn't pray quite so much this week. So this week, no, not so much of God's love for you. But Liz, oh, she fasted three days. God God thinks she is awesome. And the, 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 God doesn't think like that. What Liz may have found is that her connection is stronger because she's actually strengthened her end of the connection and, and uh, Jess has struggled a bit. But guess what? All Jess has to do is pray a bit more next week. So who's on team Jess? Who's on team? <laughs> right. <laughs> unconsciously, because even of what I've said then, unconsciously, this, is this whole idea that you know, 
if we don't measure up to some invisible standard, then God judges our behavior. Now, he, now, don't get me wrong. God doesn't like sin. But it's not a question of his love for us. His son died on a cross. Did you know that? For our sin? It was a pretty big deal at the time. I remember reading about it. Um, it was a good book. I'll, I'll get, get you that after the service. Um, but, yeah, and if that is how any of what I've preached has made you feel, I apologize right now. Because it is never my intention to imply that somehow doing anything I preach from the pulpit here can get you more into God's graces than you already are. Now, you can, you can get into my good graces. That's, that's easy done. Fairly simple person. You just ask Vicky. Um, but for healing to begin, we've got to actually reverse that thought process. As a community of believers, we should be providing a safe space for anyone who is struggling with life's difficult issues. There should be no better place than the house of God to find healing from pain caused by dysfunctional relationships. And so as, as we move forward in this series, I actually want to uh, highlight some of the biblical wisdom we can actually apply to our lives that will help us maintain good mental health. But the thing we've, we, we've got to actually start changing some attitudes that we have towards the, the problem of mental health towards people who have mental health problems. As people who are suffering those problems, we also have to, uh, I think, change how vulnerable we are and find a safe place to actually get help. Because I think, and from my own personal experience, which isn't great, but I've certainly been through my own struggles, is that isolation is the worst thing that you can do. But it's often the easiest thing to do. And so there's a battle that goes on. So I, I want us to have the, the tools to actually combat that, to actually change our community from the inside, to get more understanding, but to only do what we can do. I think it's it's great to generate relationships with professionals who can help, with people who not only understand the kingdom of God, but understand the, the, the world of mental health medicine, um, psychology, therapy, all, all of those things that I've, I actually looked it up online. And um, if you look up God and therapy, you'll see, you'll see t-shirts. There are two different shirts of t-shirts. One that says, God is my therapist. The other one says, thank God I have a therapist. And I think I'm in favor of the second one. Because I think we, we place unreal expectations on what our faith in God can do for us. Um, as opposed to actually seeking professional help. It is not ungodly to seek help. And as, we, as we'll find in the coming weeks, we'll see that you know, there, are, there are people in the Bible who struggled with issues that uh, they needed help with. And so it's, 
It's something we need to look at. It's something that we don't often talk about in church because war. No, we're a faith church and we're not Tom Cruise. Just thought I'd throw that in. Actually, can I, can I get the, the worship team back up? Um, I want us to, let, can we stand? Actually, want us to. I want, actually, I want the worship team to sing that song again. But what I what I'm going to invite people to do is, I think one of the things that we can legitimately ask God for help in doing is to change our thinking. And I think it, it's it's a positive step to actually even acknowledge to God that that. And we, we may find that we've got a handle on, on mental health. We may even be involved in, in the field as professionals. But I believe that we can, we can always spend more time in God's presence to get his understanding. We, we, may, we just may need empathy. We, we may need answers for a way forward, if not for ourselves, for somebody else. We may be struggling with family members who are, are going through tough times and, and we don't know what to do. Now, I wouldn't only ask God that question, but it's a great place to start. And so I'll invite you as, as the theme sings. If you, now, let me ask a, a couple of specific things. If you suffer from mental health issues right now, I invite you to come out onto this altar. If you have had in the past suffered mental health issues, but even if you feel you've recovered, I would like you to come out onto this altar. If you know somebody who has mental health issues, and you would like to help them and you would like to ask God's help, I'm inviting you out onto this altar. If you don't know anybody with mental health issues, but you want to be prepared, get out here on this altar. Have I missed anybody? And let's, and I, I just want to lay hands on people just to pray a fresh revelation from God, a fresh understanding, a fresh empathy, an open spirit to actually move forward. As, as we dive into the needs of our community as we go along. Thanks, guys. Can you...